0: Oh, that last line restored me i was still stuck with this idea of you know the blind leading the blind who are we <laughs> to even pretend to know any better but i'm okay now <laughs> I like i like that phrasing of of walking together because feminism teaches us um that critical reflection not only within our individual selves but also in relation to others and this is one of the reasons i i, I really believe in in the school of thought but also in the in the experience of it because feminism says we need to trust our voices. It says that we need to, and it's hard to trust your voice when you don't have the parameters, when you grew up in a child-headed household, when you grew up in a schooling context with teachers who tell you that you're going to end up being a tail at best at Woodward's, if not at ShopRite. And these are some of the emotional abusive comments that um, some of the learners at were sharing to say, there's no sense of being affirmed, there's no sense of being seen, and so... Part of the destabilization lies then in the unhealthy ways through which they try to find this belonging, in how they try to to, to anchor themselves, either throwing themselves too early in romantic relationships or joining gangs or actually choosing substance abuse. And part of the research we have indicates that it's actually alcohol. um, It's crystal meth. um, And nia'upe, nia'upe is a cocktail um, of all sorts of drugs, um... From what I've read, it's a cheap combination of heroin, um, ARVs at times, and all sorts of other things. It also speaks to the accessibility of these drugs within the the community. Um, as young people don't have many facilities, whether we're looking at the sporting facilities, whether we're looking at the number of tournaments that are accessible within our townships, or also the limitation of all of those things within our schooling context, we're still struggling with libraries in many of our education systems. So essentially... We're expecting, like you said, young people to grow to be these amazing beings in a world that is so demanding, but without the tools. Um, and, and one of the fascinating things that you, you keep going back to is this transitional phase. And for me, it's, it's, the tension is, is recognizing that this is exploratory, but at the same time, as, as an ally, how do I sit there and trust your exploratory phase without... ...implicating myself in it. So let me give you a concrete example. One of the stories that has been dominating in the media in the past two weeks... ...is this teacher in in the Eastern Cape in a high school... ...who apparently would line up the young learners... ...and ask them to to masturbate in a container. And this had been happening for um, quite a while. Of course the response is amazing. The school governing body um, insisted on investigation my understanding is that he's been suspended. But we're not talking about, I don't know if it's bodily autonomy, I don't know if it's consensus, but what was happening in those sessions with those boys, touching themselves collectively like that. So there's the exploratory part in that relationship with a voice of authority that you supposedly trust, that is taking advantage of you. But I can't imagine it being read as a violation at the same time, because we do encourage young people to touch themselves in different ways. We want people to be comfortable in their own bodies. But there's also the extreme end of it, the sexual violence that happens within the schooling context among young boys, where it also happens in terms of, like, gangs or in collectives. There's some cases that have come out, for example, out of, out of Libum. So for me, there's that, there's that sense, just thinking about the tensions of solidarity work, to say I want to trust that you know what you're doing and here I'm reminded again by um, Khurata Chengeta's work um, when she unpacks from the South African perspective this idea of consenting to unwanted sex because it feels like that's what happened in the Lusigisegi case that it's, it is sexual harassment, it is a violation but this weird thing there about consent that is not quite consent
1: Yeah, oh uh, the most destabilizing things for me are thinking about sexual exploitation, assault, abuse, violence, um, when I think about young people. Um, but yeah, I mean, what you describe is, 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 is a violence and a, an exploitation um, of, of a context, right? So part of it is tied to the fact that could this be a space that feels like a space of liberation? Because in every other space, we are shutting down the sexuality and the sexual expression um, of young people. And so does this present an opening, right? Like you say, it is a person of authority um, and almost feels like, like opening space and at the same time has the violence of what we describe as grooming. Um, Because the progression around grooming is you reach the point at which the the abused um, consents even initiates activities. It does not change the fact that it's violence, it's abusive, it's exploitative. In fact, it brings it to a, a completely different... Level, But I think the thing that comes to mind for me when you bring that up is the scary ways in which the silences we choose mean that young people turn to themselves, to each other, and to potentially adults who open up these spaces around sexuality. Um. And often those adults are adults that are exploiting or violating rather than adults that are supporting, respecting um, sexual expression. So for me, yeah, there's something that sits very... I know the discomfort that people have around recognition of sexuality in young people, but I sit with a strong discomfort about that dismissal, that silence, because what it means is whatever happens is shrouded in silence. And so by the time, like you said, this thing has been happening for a long time. By the time, by the time you realize, discover that something has been happening, um, because of the silence around it, if it was easier, lighter to talk about sexuality, this is the kind of thing that could have been caught much earlier. Um, so I think for me, part of it is reaching into the spaces of discomfort for us. Um... And understanding that our discomfort, our, and we had these conversations around HIV. Um, it gave us an entry point to talking about sexuality, but I think more and more it also feels like there are ways in which there is a regression um, when we think about this category that is youth. Um, and so something something has to give. <laughs> something has to give in opening up that space.
0: No, I hear you. I mean, we've spent so much time, and thank you again for the conversation, Rudo. Um, we've talked a lot about the contradictions, the tensions, the, the social challenges. Um, but I also think that there are many other possibilities. Maybe I'm biased because I did enjoy my high school. It came with all sorts of things. Um, but I did enjoy the experience of just being a child, being self-absorbed, being teased, and being in community with others, whether through sports, whether failing to be part of the choir. Um, The only time I got to represent the schools because I was a cute child with a full uniform and someone was sick from the school choir and they needed a set of 60 people for the competition. And that's how I made it. Very proud moment for me. Of course, I was miming throughout <laughs> <laughs> because I had attended the sessions and I was committed to it, but I just, I don't know how to sing to save my life. So there are all these other things within the schooling context that are affirming, whether we're talking about the debates and when we look, um, again, many people, when you ask them who inspired them and all of that, it's quite often the English teacher um, or the arts teacher. So that there are some of the reliable Adults, if you like, um, even within the schooling context. And of course, I'm going back to, to my paid work of policy to say, I also see the efforts in some of the institutions, such as globally thinking about the UN resolution in 2021 and looking at the intersection of youth work um, and, and, and sports. And I'm fascinated again by that category of youth work and um, violence prevention. And here sport is coming back. And it's not new in South Africa, it's not new certainly um, in Uganda and Ghana in terms of thinking through how to bring in the, the sports is another way of talking through social issues with, with ease. We saw this in the era of HIV. But I wonder how else can we be more responsive? What are some of the imaginative ways that we can think through our work within the schooling context in relation to young people. I take your point that we need to learn to walk with young people, to not impose um, our you know, years growing up in the 80s and 90s to the TikTok gamer generation. Um, yet at the same time, we, we also know that there's this vocabulary of emotions tied to mental health, um, almost a persona of fragility that reflects, like you said at the beginning of our conversation, that mirrors who we've become In terms of collective trauma, even outside the family, just within the community, um, where we know what the hostel is, where we know where the matches are, where we know what happened to the police station, where we grew up not only with these stories, but the community in itself is a traumatic space in so many ways. And young people, at least through the work that I'm currently doing now, are teaching me what it means to witness violence, even when you don't have the language for it. And they talk about dead bodies turning up in their communities and not understanding or seeing older people engaging in substance abuse. And so I know there's a lot of social justice work that comes from civil society in the schools where our government falls short. We have people that are coming in, whether we're talking about sanitary way, whether we're talking about mentorship, um, certainly when it comes to your mathematics and your physical science, extra lessons, research assistance, quite often, um, young people who are not in institutes of higher learning but who are really good in their high school and so forth. so how do we imagine a small world within the schooling context that says we would like a different form of a different form of imagining not only the future but a black cultural production that is anchored and just being okay with the person that you are, despite what the context demands and has shown you.
1: I think it's beautiful. Um, I think that is a a beautiful statement. Um, And it's critical, right? When we think about where we are at, when we think about young people and mental health, this idea of actually being okay with who you are. And I think... A huge part of the burden, like I said earlier, is this imagination of who the youth ought to be. And there is so much that is incredible that exists now that young people are doing. There was a time when academically, right, PhDs were for old men in their 60s and 70s. And more and more you have young people in their 20s obtaining their PhD. So there's something in the pressure almost of the world that is demanding more. So where we had 60 years to live life and life expectancies are lower and therefore what young people are needing to achieve um, is coming so much earlier, so much faster. And with that, there's a beauty in that, right? You see professional athletes coming in, the Coco set of this world, 14, 15 years old, becoming pro athletes, um, which wasn't the case in the past. So there's something in the progression of life that's actually bringing young people to maturity or self-actualization um, earlier. And so there's a pressure that comes with that but there's also a beauty that comes with that. And part of this moving with the world, part of this recognition of this evolving capacity is recognizing that and holding space for that, not holding a line that's waiting for them to become. They are becoming, they've been, right? (laughs) Um, And if they are becoming and they've been, how do we connect with that? Um, not as, as support systems because this is not to eliminate the idea that they need support. They need support. Um, but at the same time, it's the recognition that there are ways in which they are far ahead of us. And that's okay because that's what evolution designed. <laughs> but we, are, we need to get out of the mindset of controlling what is, or controlling the future and allowing this evolution to take place. And like anything else, if you resist the current, um, you drown. And I think in this moment, if we continue to resist the current, we do drown. Um, And so I'm saying young people for me are on a lifeboat. We are in the water, (laughs) they're on a lifeboat. And rather than pull them off the boat, it's allowing them how, how, how um, in recognizing the wave, do we get them to the nearest boat, nearest yacht, nearest island um, because there's a sense that they're floating, and th- but the floating comes from the lack of anchoring, there is no support because we don't always know how to um, but if we stop resisting this current we can support this moving towards a future that looks different and I don't think we want a future that looks like our past. And yet we're stuck in the frames of the past <laughs> to mould the future. So for me, um, that's, that, that would truly be the last thing um, to stop resisting the current um, and find ways of supporting. Uh, beautiful. I mean, just one last
0: thought. Well, Two two questions as we wrap up. (laughs) The first thought for me is, how do we find ways to continuously pull out their thoughts, their ideas, in a sense of encouraging expression? And here I think we need to obviously open up more libraries, we need more festivals, I think we need a whole lot of, you know, catalogs of expressions, if you like, to actually allow people to express themselves, articulate themselves, explore themselves in conversation and in dialogue. I was lucky enough again to to grow up in a context in a public schooling system that had so many competitions and there's been unevenness in terms of programs um, that are available for that. And I think that that is necessary. It's just a way of what does it mean to be in the world with others. And, you know, young people spend a lot of time Um, within the schooling context and I think that balance is is absolutely necessary in terms of the academics but also in terms of cultivating other ways of being. I'm not talking about home economics (laughs) I'm talking about you know building all sorts of other things even outside the, the physical science classes but finding expression I think you know whether we're talking about art and murals or whether we're talking about different ways of even decorating the the environment I think it matters to not just have white walls even within the bathrooms or just be too attached to the code of conduct to actually find truly different ways of engaging and not just in in poster forms and I think that's part of the work we need to, 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 to engage in. Um, but as we wrap up, I don't know if you have any questions, any thoughts <laughs> before we close. But I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I wish we, we had more time that we had a, a series of conversations around this topic because it's quite it's quite broad. But what I enjoyed so far is this idea of really zoning into the lived experience because too often we get preoccupied with, with with policy. Even though I referenced
1: it quite a lot. No, um, so I think that the main thing for me is, is this attentive listening. And I think that the key thing I would say is that the youth are speaking constantly. They're communicating constantly. Um, we shouldn't be tied to the conventional ways of communicating, um, where we want them to verbalize necessarily. Um, because like you said earlier, we don't always have the language to articulate what it is that we want or need. Um, But if we're paying attention to the music that they are listening to, if we're paying attention to the artistic expression um, that they are choosing, if we are paying attention to the substance abuse that they might be engaged in, it's telling us something that they feel they need to escape. It's telling us that these lyrics resonate for them, what this need within them is. Um, So the listening is a deep listening. It is not what we are accustomed to and we won't achieve it in the conventional way uh, of gathering and asking. Um, The imagination for me is staying (laughs) with the pulse where the youth are, what they are doing um, and allowing ourselves to recognize what we think is uh, bad behavior, misbehavior as truly expressions of wanting to be seen where they feel invisible, uh, wanting to escape where they feel trapped, um, and then seeking resonance and affirmation and recognition. Um, So, yeah, that's it. And it's a
0: wrap. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for staying with us. And thank you again um, to the House of Families for this series of podcasts.